Welcome to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. In late November, we IATP put out a report, uh, primarily authored by Shafali Sharma in our Berlin office, about the global industrial meat complex in Brazil. And in the United States, there's actually been a ban on Brazilian exports of beef uh, in, in recent years. And uh, Steve Stupan on our staff was just recently in Washington um, for a conference on food safety and the issue of Brazil and exports came up. I'm joined by Steve now. And Steve, why don't you just give us an, an overview of how the Food Safety Inspection Service works in the United States and then what this conference is well, it wasn't, you know, properly speaking, it wasn't a conference. We met directly with uh, Food Safety Inspection Service uh, officials. Um, I was uh, part of the delegation of the Safe Food Coalition, and part of the meeting was dedicated to uh, the uh, certificate of, of, uh, of meat export, uh, exports that the United States grants to Brazil. And the uh, Food and Water Watch has filed a petition to end that petition because over 15 years or so, uh, the USDA has found Brazil in violation of US uh, meat hygiene laws. Uh, what I tried to explain to the, the, the officials uh, at USDA, including the, the interim director of the Food Safety Inspection Service, was that um, in order for them to make a determination about whether or not to uh, maintain uh, the policy that Brazil has an equivalent uh, food safety and meat inspection system to that of the United States, they needed to understand the broader context of the meat industry in Brazil that is reported um, by IATP um, in, our, in our report. So let's, um, let's get back up just a little bit. If I am an exporter in Brazil looking to sell meat in the United States, what's the process that I have to go through? I mean, we often, you know, during the Trans-Pacific Partnership campaign, one of the statistics that we heard on food safety is that less than 1% of the imports coming into the United States are actually inspected. Is that a true statistic or what's the, what's the inspection process like from you know, going from uh, an exporting country into an importing country like the United States? So, you know, the, the, the process is that um, first uh, there is an inspection rate that is determined partially by uh, resources. Do they have the, the budget to do uh, in, in what they call import reinspection? Because the meat is supposed to be or the food is supposed to have been uh, inspected prior to export. Um, but they, they do a, a determination about frequency of inspection based on the history of uh, food safety problems, you know, whether they be contaminants or, uh, you know, illegal products included, you know, with the meat, uh, the meat shipment or the, you know, the vegetable shipment, what have you. Um, for, uh, for, uh, members of the uh, World Trade Organization, which is, you know, more than 175 countries, um, the, the United States negotiates uh, bilaterally with each country uh, and, and equip what they call an equivalency determination. And the determination is partially paperwork and it's partially based on the audits 
by uh, U.S. officials of Brazilian, you know, meat export facilities. And um, Brazil has failed a number of these performance audits. And so just to jump in real quick, um, the, the term we hear a lot is regulatory harmonization. And to the best of my understanding, what that means is that we're going to treat inspection services in another country as equivalent to ours, even though they're not equivalent to ours. Is that basically right? Well, with, with equivalence, you know, there's sort of this classical paradigm that there are different ways of achieving uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. standards. And the, the, stand, the, the, the classical example is always different ways of achieve, achieving an ex, what, what they call an, an appropriate level of, of, uh, of microbiological contamination, some, some level that's so low that it's not supposed to cause foodborne illness. But, you know, in practice, uh, uh, the, the, the difficulty of auditing the meat supply chain uh, results in, um, in, in meat exports that rely to a considerable degree on the, uh, on the confidence that U.S. officials have in the ability of the exporting country's officials to ensure the safety of their meat or food supply. And when we're talking about food safety inspection, we're obviously not, you know, you talked about auditing the supply chain, and we're not talking about any of the externalities that go into the supply chain, like slave labor or like the con contribution to climate change. Um, did any of that come up in any of these meetings or some, uh, you know, ways to maybe address uh, other things that are happening within the meat supply chain that aren't necessarily related specifically to whether or not this piece of meat sitting in front of you is going to make you sick. No, I mean this is one of the uh, one of the you know many weaknesses of um, the what they call the sanitary phytosanitary framework of trade policy is that there are very um, kind of limited standards and norms according to which uh, a food product is judged to be, you know, safe for consumption. So, you know, anything having to do with the environmental or the human rights impacts of, um, of you know, food production, meat production is out of bounds for any kind of uh, discipline because as they say in the trade policy jargon, um, you cannot regulate uh, uh, the process, only the end product. So if the end product is not contaminated, does not con uh, uh, result in foodborne illness, then if it meets these U.S. standards um, of microbiological uh, contamination, what they call performance standards, then it is to be uh, accepted for import. Mm -hmm. And so I think the last thing I wanted to ask about is, you know, we've talked a lot about antimicrobial resistance here within uh, the office and um, the, I guess, it, primarily the resistance of uh, the lack of resistance within GMO crops. Um, and I'm wondering if that has come up at all um, in any of these food safety discussions um, about whether or not antimicrobial resistance in some of these importing or even within the United States is going to eventually get into the meat supply chain in a significant way and um, whether or not that's a cause for concern either now or in the future. Well, I think that, you know, with, with um, uh, 
the with uh, uh, the WHO report uh, about the excessive use of uh, antimicrobials to uh, promote green, uh, growth pr uh, promotion and add weight to livestock. Um, you know, there's a huge amount of controversy within USDA because they're very, very critical, as is the animal health drug industry of the World uh, Health Organization report. And so a great deal of pressure is put on, uh, on the World Health Organization to modify or you know, retract their report um, in part because it will impact uh, trade. If you, if you, uh, you know, say, well, you know, we're not going to accept your meat export uh, because you are using, you know, X, Y, Z um, antimicrobials for the purpose of growth promotion or for what they call non-therapeutic purpose. Um, that would be, that would be a big paradigm shift um, in, in, uh, in trade policy, in the relationship between uh, uh, trade policy and uh, public health policy and animal, uh, animal health policy. And so I guess the very last thing is, you know, um, there was a WTO case that effectively banned country of origin labeling in the United States for meat. So that uh, it's, it, it's illegal to require labeling of where meat has come from. So if I'm a consumer, and I want to make sure I'm not, you know, uh, uh, getting meat that could potentially have some of these contaminants or be uh, produced in conditions of slave labor, for example, or is, you know, um, coming out of a factory farm that's emitting greenhouse gases. Like, what's the, what's the best process for identifying meat that's not part of this destructive supply chain? So, you know, for... Um for ground meat, uh, you really don't have any defense because um, your fast food uh, uh, multinationals will source meat from various countries, um, and uh, and that you know kind of defeats the purpose of country of origin labeling. Country of origin labeling, you know, from a uh, from a food safety perspective, is. Um, important for just one reason that is that you at least know um, if uh, if a country's you know food safety system uh, is inadequate then you have a place to begin um, to try to you know improve its uh, food safety performance uh, you know in terms of any other you know public policy, um, that you would like to advance through kind of trade policy disciplines. Um, I don't think um, that um, that it can be done, that, that, that those purposes can be accomplished within the framework of uh, World Trade Organization rules on, um, you know, on food uh, and agriculture trade. Uh, at least not at the present. So I, I guess the solution then is, or at least from the consumer standpoint right now, is if it's, you know, not labeled, if you can't tell where it was produced, it's probably not a good idea to buy it. Well, I think, you know, and this is what's so curious, is that you have um, labeling of fruits and vegetables, you know, by country of origin. Um, it, it's only the meat industry. 
and only really the U.S. transnational based meat industry, which is so ferociously uh, uh, opposed to country of origin labeling. And it's because of the kind of economic model, the organization of the industry, uh, particularly in, in North America, uh, wants to um, have the, uh, you know, the raising of animals, which is the most economically risky part of the process to occur outside the United States to bring in the, uh, um, you know, the cattle or the hogs uh, for slaughter in the United States. That's what's uh, less risky and more economically beneficial. And so it's, a, it's that economic model, the kind of monopoly model, which is um, challenged uh, by country of origin labeling and indeed by uh, any you know, food policy which encourages uh, local production sourcing procurement. Well, Steve, thanks a lot for talking to me today. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Uh, for more information, including to read Steve's upcoming blog on the meeting, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. Thanks for listening.